Welcome to Leading from the Heart, giving you the tools to be a more effective leader with your hosts, Chris Ramsey and Greg Guthrie. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Leading from the Heart. My name is Chris Ramsey and I am in studio with my friend and my tag team partner, Mr. Greg Guthrie. Greg, hello, sir. (laughs) Welcome back. Hello again. That's right. We are in studio today and excited to begin uh, talking more in depth about our effective leadership guide. If you haven't already, jump back an episode and take a look at the episode that details how we came to uh, create this guide, what we hope to use it for, and uh, what it's going to look like. So as today, we're starting to jump in really to, to walk through very slowly each of these effective leaders' uh, behaviors, attitudes, and skills that you, wherever you are, whether you've been leading for a day or for 10 years, you can pick up and do something about um, right now and today. And so just as an overview, again, our effective leadership guide is, is divided into four domains, four domains of effective leadership. The first is personal development. The second is interpersonal skills. The third is professional acumen. And the fourth domain is business mindset. So these first several episodes that we're recording uh, right now are going to be all in the realm of personal development. And so today, Greg, we're going to look at and zero in to the very first of those within personal development entitled A Servant's Heart. I'm going to read that definition, and then we're going to jump in today to talk about um, the idea of motivation for leadership. We're going to talk about the leader's mirror, how we as leaders can really evaluate and examine our own heart uh, of motivation. And then the third thing and last thing we'll do today is talk about if you wanted to grow your servant's heart, what would you need to do? What are some things you can do today to get better at that? So here's the reading from our Effective Leadership Guide under Servant's Heart. It says, uh, Greenleaf said in his essay, the servant leader is servant first. By that, he meant that that the desire to serve the servant's heart is a fundamental characteristic of a servant leader, harnessing one's power, position, and influence for the best interest of another is what it means to have a servant's heart. So let's dive in here, Greg. So let's first zero into the idea of motivation. And when you and I were talking preparing for this, we really identified that there was a a massive contrast here. Um, The difference between a servant heart uh, and then what you would find typically in a leader is more, I would say, is about status. That leadership means either one of two things. Uh, Leadership can mean that it's all about my status, uh, me getting a title, me gaining more power, me getting a promotion, me gaining wealth. And that's the primary motivator for wanting to lead, which I would say it's not all bad. I mean, those are intrinsic values that people have. And like the desire and ambition to do that is not 100 percent evil. But that is a very different motivation than what Greenleaf is talking about and what we're going to zero into today, which is this desire to lead is a desire to serve. So I'm going to throw you the softball and where where does that take your mind as far as motivation for leading? Yeah, I was just thinking about how I'm I'm not sure if it's Greenleaf or who talks about that. Uh, you know, this we we have servant's heart is the mm-hmm. is, is the way we phrase this, but it's based out of servant leadership, and how servant and leadership seems like a uh, oxymoron mm-hmm. or whatever. It doesn't go together. You yeah. know, servant le- uh, in the in the way the, in the world the mm-hmm. way we think about that. And so, I think the first thing you have to do is kind of wrap your head around. That mm-hmm. that that actually can go together really well. Yeah, uh, maybe not easily. Yeah, right. But, but well. Yeah, 
Yeah, but it's a, it's a stark contrast. If you really, if we let ourselves think about it, especially outside of if you've if you've grown up in the agency, then servant leadership is 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 old hat in some ways. Uh, but if you're coming to the agency new, leading for, you know as a new leader uh, or or listening from outside the agency, the idea of of leadership being about service is a very foreign, yeah. alien concept. Because in in the world and in business, typically leadership is about. Um, I'm going to get mine over you. So if I get promoted, that means you didn't and I win. Uh, it's it's going to mean that I'm now the one in power. And so you have to do what I say from an authoritarian position. Uh, it also means that I'm the one that's going to get more privilege. I'm going to get more benefits and, 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 um, and salary oftentimes. And so it is very much a, a cutthroat uh, way of thinking about it a lot of times in business so that the desire to be in a leadership role is less about serving the, the interest of others and more about serving your own interest, more about status, more about gaining more loot for yourself. And that's going to affect how you interact with people, right? So these are these are contrasting, could not be any more different primary motivators that we're talking about uh, really kind of unearthing. Yeah, and I think some people might like buck at that a little bit, mm-hmm. saying like, "I'm not, I'm not in this for myself." Yeah. But I love the way uh, I found an article in Forbes, and the, I really like the way they say this. They say traditionally, a leader is to improve the the business position of the company, mm. like that. Even so, there might be you know people coming; they've been leaders other places. Yeah. It wasn't self serving. Yeah. But they were trying. They were they were doing their job, which was mm-hmm. to try to better the company. Yeah. So yeah. the people under them, they were trying to get them in line mm-hmm. producing mm-hmm. Uh, which which we all have to do we'll yeah. get to later uh, but for the betterment of the company right uh, and not necessarily that person and he says right. the, the article says the servant leadership the leader ensures that the followers are all are growing in all areas mm. prof- in the profession knowledge autonomy and even their health and physical development and so it's it's a shift that we're mm-hmm. going to talk about mm-hmm. b- between hey we're we're just putting in our time for the bottom line mm-hmm. versus I want you to leave a better person. Yeah, it is, and that that I want you to leave a better person is coming from a heart that is designed and called to serve the highest good right. of the person uh, for sure. So one of my first experiences of, of servant leadership, Greg, actually came when I was a, a teenager. Uh, I remember I was, grew up in a church youth group and uh, on one particular uh, service, the youth minister said, hey, next week, if anybody can come about an hour early uh, to help set up chairs, uh, I'd really appreciate it. And I was thinking, well, I can do that. I, I can show up an hour early. I'd love to do that. And so I did. And in doing that service of just menial task of setting out chairs, um, there was something that hit my teenage heart of like, this is what it means to lead. This is what it means to Mm. actually show up, do menial things. But it it was for the betterment of, you know, the service and the youth group and the church. And I remember that the way my youth minister interacted with me was different from that point on. It's like, I don't know if it, he, it made sense to him, but it was almost as if he was saying, Chris, I see you, you're sacrificing, you're getting in the trenches, and you're the kind of person that I want to put more responsibility on and, and let you lead in this capacity. And I'm telling you, I was 14, I think, at the time. But that was one of the first experiences of like, if you want influence, if you want to lead, it has to come through service first and not just status. Yeah, that's that's funny because I was I was reading yesterday a uh, website. It was a some type of faith based website. Mm-hmm. And it was saying basically like the litmus test had a quote on there. These are I'm just my words, but yeah. the litmus test for being a servant leader is how you feel 
when someone treats you like a servant. Mm, wow. Yeah. Now yeah, that's that's tough. <laughs> we'll write that one down, you guys. That, that's yeah. that's a really a tough one for sure. So, Greg, you said something in, as we were prepping for this this cast that you said we want to make sure that we really frame that when we talk about servant leadership, we're talking about it in the context of a job, that we're talking about it in the context of work. And there was something significant for you in in kind of zeroing in to say, okay, this is leading about in work as a servant leader maybe is different or more freeing than thinking about I have to be doing this for all of uh, of the world is that is that ringing a bell at all? Yeah, yeah. Tell me more about that. Okay, I'm trying I'm trying to do the same myself as well. Um, so I think maybe it was the idea that servant leadership doesn't call you to be a servant to all people at all times. And so as I walk around today, as I go to get a you know a, a meal at lunch, like I'm not going to have to like get in the kitchen, you know, and, and get, get behind and flip burgers because they need it. Uh, so I'm not, I mean, I could, but the burden of leading through service is not going to be something that carries into every aspect of your life to really, where you have responsibility, but you do have immense responsibility within the workplace as a leader to serve the best in the highest interest of of your people. And so um, is that jogging anything for you? And if not, we can, we can push on. It, it doesn't, but I, I do think it's, it's true. I mean, we're, this is contextual mm-hmm. for us. We're mm-hmm. talking about in, in the workplace. I, I think we, everyone, including us admits like this, uh, we learned it, you know, this came, at least for me, mm-hmm. I learned this in the workplace, but it affects every aspect of yes. my life. That doesn't mean when I go to McDonald's, right. I say like, hey, can I help you cook yeah. that yeah. burger? It might not go well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right? yeah, yeah. So, but I do, I do think that for me, I'll just speak to me personally, mm-hmm. this is kind of the opposite of what you were wanting me to say, mm-hmm. uh, is that it has helped me, and I'm a long way from mm-hmm. arriving, but it has helped me even in those other contexts to maybe I'm at McDonald's like, no, you go ahead of me. Sure. Like rather than think of myself mm-hmm. to, th- to help th- think of other people. And yeah. I, I think that's a, a, a higher road. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I, I do think it puts it on my radar, even though at work it's, it really helps me focus that because mm-hmm. I'm thinking, okay, I, I'm, I'm in charge of these people. And you know, for me at the center, I kind of own the entire center. So yeah. I feel like mm-hmm. I want to help everyone right. grow and, and serve everyone. Yeah. Uh, but I, d- I do think, uh, yeah, it's both. Yeah. It has to have focus and it has bleed over. Yeah, yeah. Definitely shapes how, how we interact in the world. But let, let's do um, move a little bit closer to, okay, so for me here at work, in, in the role that I play, this idea of servant's heart, what, what are the implications? So, again, just want to zero into uh, that a leader's calling is to utilize his or her power position and strength to serve the highest good of their staff, whether those staff are volunteers, contractors, or employees. That's what we mean by servant leadership, that I, in my current position, I recognize that that I have power, I have influence, uh, I have privilege, I have strength that I can either use to serve my own good, or I can use it to exhaust myself in serving the highest good of others. I think this is what this is the epitome of servant leadership at work. What does that bring up for yeah. you, Greg? So I was thinking, I was wondering, because I think I've heard you talk about this mm-hmm. before, and maybe again, it won't strike you and I'll have to talk about it. But when you say that, I think I think we have had people in the past that took care of the people under them, mm-hmm. even in a way that created a kind of micro loyalty mm-hmm. and sure. environment yeah. um, and that was separate and apart from the company mm-hmm. in a way that wasn't good. Yeah. And so I think someone could 
take what you're saying and go like, okay, my sole focus mm-hmm. is those people that work for me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't, you know, the rest of the people are on their own. Yeah. Can you, can you speak to a little bit? How does that mm. fit in with the company as a whole and and how do you keep that from you know becoming an animal into itself you know what I'm great saying? question uh, great yeah i think it, it's very applicable greg because i think in one sense as as a manager leader i have to zero i have to really focus in on the the group of staff that i have responsibility for today and so if i'm leading the casa program i have a set of volunteers or i have a set of advocate supervisors if i am a therapist then i have a set of clients that i'm working with and that's my circle of influence right and so I do want to take responsibility for them, but the, I think the catch to address what you're talking about is in the language we use of the highest good of the staff. And so when I think about highest good, I can't just limit the my team's promotion or health to, to my team. I've, I've got to think about how do I develop uh, employee X in such a way that when the next opportunity comes up for a managerial role, he or she is ready to go, yeah. which means she's gonna, he or she's going to have to have in, exposure outside of my team. People are going to have to know who he or she is, talk about their results. So it really breaks out that kind of, you know, it's me and my tribe and, and nobody else to the highest good for not only the employee, but also for the company. It would be the highest good for the agency for there to be exposure and um, accomplishment outside of the unique program or team setting that you're in. So that's where I'm challenged in it, Greg, is to really mm-hmm. think that, that my role and my calling is not just about what's good for the team. It's actually what's, what's the highest good for team and company together. Yeah, I love, the, I love that, Chris. And I think I've seen it go wrong so many times mm-hmm. uh, and have to deal with people on the back end of that yeah. and it really is not in their interest in their best interest mm-hmm. it is uh, you're doing them a disservice mm-hmm. you think like oh this is the best thing we're so loyal we're so close and you're depriving them of mm-hmm. development and exposure yeah. and uh, things that they need to to be better themselves yeah. and and but but I, that's not necessarily intuitive Chris so I'm glad we're no, talking no. about this because I've seen this um, you know, more times than one mm-hmm. uh, where people thought this was a good thing or maybe it developed naturally because, you know, we're clannish as mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. and it's just easier, especially you're in an office away from the main office mm-hmm. uh, or you're with a group that doesn't necessarily get exposure to a lot of other groups in the company. Mm-hmm. You're not in therapeutic services or you're right. or what? I mean, you can, there's a lot of examples. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I hope you take what Chris said to heart because to serve your people, you not only need to be close on your own team, but you really need to expand that vision and that exposure mm-hmm. to the company at large. Yeah, well, and it begs the question: What is the highest good? Like, what yeah. is the highest yeah. good for an employee? What is the highest good for a contractor? What is the highest good for a volunteer? So let, let's let's wade into that, Greg. Because okay. this is this is hard. Because again, I think what it, what you highlighted was that sometimes in our best attempts to serve and lead. Even those best attempts can go wrong, uh, and this is this is a common theme within leadership because we are human. And so, you know, as Greg and I talk about what what is the highest good, I I would argue this is going to throw my opinion out. Greg, you tell me what you think. The highest good for someone in a in a working relationship is twofold. Number one, that that person would be ridiculously good at their job. Mm-hmm. Like, so if I am a, a CAC forensic interviewer, then my leader's role in serving me 
is to help me become the best forensic interviewer that this state or company has ever seen Mm -hmm. to grow those skills, those techniques, like to just literally hone my craft to where I am, you know, there's just notoriety surrounding me for my excellence. Like I believe that is the highest good for them. Now the other side, so it's results on one side, on the other side, it's about relationship. Uh, And so the highest good for me is for my manager leader to serve me in such a way that I want to stay that I have flourishing relationships with inside this agency that are that are beneficial to all folks. And so those two things, like help me do my job really well, help me get along with people and stay here for as long as possible. Those would be the beautiful ways to serve my highest good is my argument today. Right. Yeah, I mean, I there's no, there's really nothing to add to, to that. You know, I, it made me think of how, you know, with our agency, we have very high standards. Mm-hmm. And so... In the past, we have almost assumed quality of your work. And then so we talk more about this other side that doesn't get as much attention about, uh, you know, the the wake on the other side of how people perceive you, your feel, mm-hmm. your personal development, and that kind of. And, and we're assuming you're doing a good job. Everybody knows that we have high standards. You're doing a good job. But I think what has happened, that can shift the focus is think like, oh, well, this is what's important maybe not the actually doing what I do as the best in the States, you mm-hmm, know? Right. And so I really appreciate that you bring us back to that because at mm-hmm. the end of the day, which sounds it's crazy in our agency, but you're paid to do a job yep. and we want you to do that really well. Yeah. And it's great when you do that and then we can focus on other things and mm-hmm. that's a given, mm-hmm. you know, but I think uh, it's not always a given. And we, so we need to keep that in the forefront of like, yeah. how can we keep getting better at this main task that mm-hmm. we have or ta- yeah. plural task um, and add all of this other right. along with that. It's, it's not either or it's got to be both. It does. Yeah. And the effective leader knows that the effective leader knows that, that they're going to use their power position and, and strength to help um, grow the employee contractor or volunteer to get better at their job, to get along with people. And, and they're going to know that the effective leader has that motivation internally this is really nothing's beneath me. There's nothing that, that's that's out of bounds for, for how I could serve my people that would be beneath me. And one of my favorite stories, Greg, again, just a vivid example of, of what this looks like was our late CEO, Cindy Murray, um, served the agency for, for decades. And she was the highest person in the company, the chief executive officer. And I remember one of the, the first experiences I had with her early on coming into the company was at a company potluck, you know? pretty mundane. We're just you know, gathered up eating food, which is what we love to do here at the agency. And I watched as Cindy um, took her spot behind a table full of cups of ice and iced tea. And she began to ask every employee who came through that line, can I get you something to drink? And it was a powerful example for me of like, wait a minute, wait a minute. She's utilizing her position, her strength, her, her power not to go sit down and put her feet up and be served, which would be the traditional way to go, right? right? You know, she has the highest status. She has the highest privilege. Come serve me. She actually took her, and I love this language, she took and put on her apron and got behind the counter and served every person who came through. So rather than put on a crown, 
she puts on an apron. And that is the epitome of mm-hmm. leading by serving. And so I think as, as leaders today within our role uh, in the agency, as we, as we think about the teams and the people we're responsible for, let me implore you to take that posture mm-hmm. of, of putting on the servant's apron, putting on, uh, you know, and thinking there's nothing that's beneath me. I'm, I'm going to get in the trenches today and, and just find ways to help my people succeed, win at their job, but also in their relationships. So Greg, what does that stir up for you? It just makes me think about how your actions speak louder than words, Mm -hmm. that people, even if they don't realize it, they they see Mm -hmm. if you're a servant or not. Mm -hmm. They see how you act. And and so this philosophy is going to come out in the way you act. So for Cindy, Mm -hmm. it came out in the way that Mm -hmm. she didn't. It wasn't um, like, oh, let me do this so everybody can think I'm. Yeah, you know, I mean, yeah. that was her heart was yeah. let me serve you yeah. always. Like, and, and for you and I, like, we benefited so much because she wanted to serve us well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, you know, and so I, I was, you know, Greenleaf says you have to first want to serve. So, mm-hmm. so you have to go back and check yourself. And mm-hmm. I want to encourage you and say, you can grow in that or yep. maybe you've never mm-hmm. thought about that and you can embrace that philosophy and say i've never even mm-hmm. thought about being a servant mm-hmm. i don't you know again you're like you're not born a servant it's mm-hmm. something you desire to mm-hmm. do and that you work on and that yeah. we're all still working on yes but i would say this that people you can talk all day long and probably as people hear this they have impressions about you and I mm-hmm, sure. and about whether we are or not servants. Mm-hmm. And I'll be honest with you, sometimes I can I do this well and right. sometimes I don't. Agreed. And, Me too. Uh, and it's, a, it's a work in progress. But yeah. I hope my heart is to serve and I yeah. want it to be. And I know that it's not. You know, sometimes my selfishness trumps in. Sure. Um, and I, then, then I see that and I'm embarrassed, like mm-hmm. happened this week. Mm-hmm. It, nobody knew but me, basically, mm-hmm. but I'm still kind of ashamed. You know, yeah. I feel the shame of that, but, mm-hmm. uh, of just being into myself rather right. than uh, not, yeah. you know. Yeah. And so, yeah, so I, I think people, people will see that. So if you find that within yourself, even if you don't know how to go about doing mm-hmm. that, just start with that desire mm-hmm. to serve. Say, mm-hmm. this, I, I really think this is what I want to do. Yeah, I love that, Greg. And I think what that highlights is, is something you and I talk about that you can't fake that. Yeah. Like people, you know, I love one of the phrases you've used for a long time is that, that you know, the way God has designed us as people is we have we are supercomputers at perception, mm-hmm. you know. And so you, you know very well when you're interacting with a, a, someone in a leadership role, whether you get the sense that they are using their power position and strength to serve and to, to, to make better other people or that they are more about status and privilege and, you know, the crown, so to speak. And so um, that is something that if you're thinking about being effective, what we're saying overtly here at the agency is that in order to be the most effective, uh, that that primary motivation has to come from a place of serving and giving what you have to help other people, which is the very work our agency does every day in the community, right? Through through a lot of different programs and models, but that's ultimately what we're doing is offering hope to to those who need it the most. And leadership, in, in some ways, is the very same thing. It's about utilizing privilege, power, and position to to better other people. And Greg, one of the things for you and I, we have common language, I think, from our, our backgrounds, but that really comes up is about that the metaphor of a shepherd really comes to mind here for me of what it looks like for a person to be responsible for other other people or other living things and whose whole role is to just take care 
of of the things that are in their yeah. charge. And so I think that 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 metaphor of a shepherd uh, out in the field with their sheep, doing whatever it takes to to keep them alive and to protect them, to mm. to to discipline them when needed, it really resonates for me here. Does that resonate for you? Yeah, it does. You know, because that shepherd, his whole focus is those sheep, and mm-hmm. you know, and sheep are not the smartest right. thing in the world, <laughs> yeah, like, like yeah. us. That's why yeah. it's such a good analogy. Yes. Because a lot of time we're we're the same way. We'll just mm. follow someone else off a mountain. You right. Know? Right. Um, what I was thinking was, which we can apply to the sheep analogy, is I, I I'm pretty sure I've heard this. Maybe I dreamed this, but that a shepherd, an actual shepherd in real life, like if a sheep keep straying off that they would actually break their leg mm. um, to to keep them from doing that mm-hmm. for their own good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was thinking about it would be easy for someone hearing this to just think it's all sunshine and roses mm-hmm. and that we're that by being thinking of their best good, mm-hmm. it's just all on the positive side. Yeah. And I was thinking about how I wondered if you could speak to the breaking of the leg that sometimes mm. When we have to uh, do a work improvement plan, mm-hmm. or we have to rein someone in mm-hmm. um, in some area, that that is that too is for their highest good. Yeah. Oh my gosh, like I, I, I literally just felt like fifty pounds of weight hit my shoulders because that. Thank you for bringing that up because that gives voice to the weight and responsibility of leading. That you're right. It's, you know, the, the, me serving someone's highest good isn't just about buying them a cupcake and singing happy birthday mm. and making sure, you know, those are all good. Those are all good things. But like ultimately the highest good in the work setting. Again, that's why I think we, we zeroed in on the context of work in the work setting is for results to happen that you're being paid for or that you're volunteering to get in CASA program. And so as a leader, you have to be responsible for those hard interactions that grow an employee or contractor or volunteer up to fulfill the role they're meant to play. And ultimately that does tend to, to, to portray in things that do uh, feel like wounds or that are harmful. You know, one of my favorite Jewish proverbs is that a, that a wound from a friend can be trusted, but kisses from an enemy are to be abhorred. You know, so it's like wounds in, in a leader role of like discipline or mm. correction can mm. feel like breaking a leg. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and you, you, you feel that as the shepherd, like, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to do this. Uh, but ultimately are for the highest good of the sheep or of the employee of the volunteer um, contractor. And so I, I feel that cause I've, I've been in those roles or the, where those decisions had to be made. They were some of the toughest in my life. Um, but I can look back and go at times when I had the courage to do so, it was the most serving thing I could do. Yeah. You know, even in, in terminating employment, sometimes yeah, can be yeah. the most serving thing I can do in, in the highest good. And again, that's wrap your mind around that. That takes a while, but I believe that is the calling of, of the, of the servant leader. Yeah, I, w- I was thinking about that too. The if if it's not corrected, you know, ultimately it could be most serving to let that person go. Yeah, and I, I think that's a that's a hard pill to swallow mm-hmm. a lot of times. And that, again, that seems counterintuitive. Like, like really, like th- this is you loving me, mm-hmm. letting me go. Yeah. You know, but I I think that's true. Yeah, uh, and uh, you know, it, when you're really putting that person's interest mm-hmm. first, if they are just not prospering, mm-hmm. they're not meant to be here, mm-hmm. they're not happy. Yeah. Then you know you would serve them by letting them go, and so 
Yeah, maybe. Mm-hmm. maybe that, thanks. For that, that just spurred for me. I think the the clarification that we were looking for earlier on the context of work, Greg, is like I think if we're just talking about our families or our communities, then then someone could very much raise objection to this this analogy of breaking the leg. But in the in the leader's role within an employment setting, uh, the highest good cannot only be for the person. I can't just do what's in your best interest, right? Because ultimately that means I'm going to pay you five times more. I'm going to give you way more vacation time because that's what would be in your highest good, right? But the leader must also balance the highest good in that equation is the operations and the mission of the company. And so sometimes that's why it makes sense that we would need to terminate an employee who is not performing job duties well, because the mission and the the organization is is going to suffer, right? We've had to let CASA volunteers go from their duty because they were ultimately jeopardizing the the organization by behavior that they were engaged in um, that would jeopardize the mission of the company. And so I think that's what to me clicked. We were looking for that earlier with the context of work is that within work, we have different responsibilities that we must uh, tend to mm. that are not just about do what's best for the people, right. right? We're balancing what's best for the people with also what is good and right for the organization. So that helped me come full circle. Yeah. And I mean, and talking about that, I mean, it just speaks maturity, it just mm. reeks of maturity. And I think that's what we're all striving to be is yeah. just that centered, ma- mature yeah. uh, leader. And, you know, that really highlights it when you're, mm. you have to let someone go that you care about, you right. truly care about. Yeah. Uh, you know that that's kind of the culmination of that mm-hmm. maturity and servant yeah. leadership. You know? Yeah, yeah. And so as we're as we're thinking today, then so the, this idea that there's a contrast in primary motivation between um, service orientation and status orientation, and we highlighted that in the story of Cindy getting behind the table, putting her apron on, serving at, the, at what seems like the most menial ways, um, uh, you know, to use uh, utilizing her power and position to. To, for the best interest of others. And so, Greg, one of the things we want to do in these in these episodes uh, talking about the Effective Leadership Guide is really put some more practical handles on helping people evaluate where they really are and then specifically, what can I do today to get better? I want to grow. I have a desire to be more effective, and so help me understand how to do that. So let's first start with the examination. So we, we've hinted at some of this already, but if we're really looking at servant's heart, that can be a very you know subjective feeling a subjective thought but we've put together some questions that people can ask themselves or ask others to get to weigh in on some feedback uh, that will help us get a get a, a true and accurate picture of where we are today so one of those questions could be just you and yourself and you could you could journal this you can maybe just take 30 minutes to get away from work maybe go go for a car ride or go walk in the woods and say okay here's question one what is your primary drive today as you lead is my primary drive to serve other people's best interests to be the shepherd who cares for the sheep and does whatever's required or is it really more like I kind of arrived, you know, <laughs> I'm going to put my feet up. I'm going to wear the crown. I'm going to get what's mine. And that's going to be my primary motivator. Now, it's likely not going to be that clear for us. It's never that clear for me, but I can start to sense when my motivation tips into that unhealthy place of status and recognition versus service. So that's a question you can ask. What's my primary drive today as I go about leading. Greg, does that spur thoughts or, or maybe even other questions that, that someone could ask themselves to help get an accurate picture of where they are? No, I, I was just thinking, Chris, that, you know, 
this varies depending mm-hmm. on the day. Mm-hmm. You know, and life happens, and so don't beat yourself up too much. Yeah. If you come in tired mm-hmm. and uh, you got up fighting with your significant other, right? And uh, you just feel like mm-hmm. I just don't have yeah. the emotional energy to yeah. to serve anyone else. I mean, th- mm-hmm. that you know that that happens, and so it, um, I would just say live in the real world. Mm-hmm. But in general, yeah, you check check your heart, check your yeah. motivation. Yeah, uh, I think that's good. That's really helpful too, Greg. Because my mind can so often tend, and my language even can tend towards all or nothing. You know, either you are serving out of a servant's heart, or you're not, and that's not helpful. And so I think that's really good to to come back to. And I, and I think even giving voice to man, there are days where literally I can feel my my meter shifting by the hour. Mm-hmm. You know, something can happen. I feel slighted. I feel misunderstood. And it's like, man, I can quickly ratchet back over to well, this is my role and position and, you know, versus like, man, just freely giving everything I have to, to make sure other people are, are good. So Greg, what's the second question people could ask themselves? And again, they could journal it. They might want to ask their, their, their some, for some feedback from other people. What's another question folks could pose? Yeah. Uh, actually feedback from others. Like how would your team view you? How would they view your heart? And I think the, uh, the best way to find that out is to ask mm-hmm. yeah. and again, you you know you got to consider who you're asking mm-hmm. and and how honest they're being with you. Yeah, uh, I, I would I would say people on your level mm-hmm. find people peers on your level mm-hmm. even more so than your team because you know your heart transcends just your team. So yeah. if there are pe- people are going to be more honest if if they're not uh, under you in mm-hmm. the hierarchy so to speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but you'll, there are some people that would tell you at least yeah. give you some insight. So yeah, and I would just yeah. say that that can be a devastating question. As yeah. I think back, I've worked with several leaders, both in the agency and outside of the agency, who they their perception was they were a servant. You know, they really did what what needed to be done for their people. But when they asked the question, um, it was a devastation because the the feedback was. Yeah, not as much as you think. You you don't you're you don't do things as as much as you think you do to really get in the trenches with me and to and to help me. I don't feel supported, yeah. you know. And so it can be a hard question. It, it can break your world a little bit. So I, I I agree with you of underscoring. Be sure to ask folks who you trust that you have safety with, and that you can then make that a redemptive question, so that you don't get stuck in that wool or or get combative about that. But you can turn that into redemption yeah. to say, okay, well, what's the thing I can do today to to move a little bit closer to being more serving. So great question. Yeah, Greg. very sobering. Very, you, like you said, you have to be brave. Mm-hmm. That's a, that could be a very sobering answer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we, 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 you can ask, you know, what's your primary drive? That can be something you can do on your own. You can ask other people, you know, how would you describe my heart? How would you describe, you know, my level of service? And, and then the third question or third reflection we want to offer that's very practical and very good is reflect on how you're spending your time. You know, show me your calendar and we can show you the heart, right? Like, where are you spending your time? Are you in the trenches? Are you, are you finding yourself working alongside of your team to help them figure out the most mundane things or big things that come up or do you find yourself more often or or sometimes putting your feet up and relaxing and enjoying the position you have and those those are just a great way to define the difference in service is watch where you spend your time watch your habits watch your rhythm of the week to see where you're finding your yourself putting and investing that time right what does that bring up for you greg yeah i I think it has to be purposeful Mm -hmm. 
Um, yeah, I, you know, and not necessarily what we want or maybe even need to be doing, I, you know, at that, because we're, you know, we've got a whole agency full of box checkers and we have a lot of things we have to do. Mm-hmm. We have to turn out some work. Mm-hmm. And so you always have that, your plate's always full. It's much easier to think this is my top priority mm-hmm. rather than uh, let me let me take 10 minutes and go walk the hall slowly, mm-hmm. which is language we, we use, shared language. Right. Uh, and checking on people and connecting at mm-hmm. least with someone mm-hmm. you can't always connect with everyone mm-hmm. but find someone to connect with and and again show that servant's heart you're doing that for them like how how are people is there mm-hmm. anything i can do let just can i encourage them can mm-hmm. i love them well is language i like to like mm-hmm. i'm gonna go i want to go i want to love people well and so mm-hmm. that takes relationship yeah so when you're down the hall saying hey how are the kids like at least in our workplace Mm -hmm. that's work that's very valuable work Uh, and especially when it's purposeful like this Mm -hmm. like I'm doing this yeah I have lots of work to do but I'm going to go get a cup of coffee with you right? Right. because I know that's important and again just to pull back the curtain that's half of the equation of the highest good right results on one side and relationship on the other and so it is you know a paradigm shift to think about this way of serving through connection is for the highest good, right? You know, again, we could also, you could argue, well, if you do too much of that, you're, you you could leave behind the results, but like just that balance. So that, that's a great yeah. question and a great practical step uh, for you to, to look at your calendar. Am I, am I making space to have those connecting moments? Am I purposely setting up one-on-one supervisions with my team so that I'm, I'm asking about how they're doing? I'm look, evaluating their performance, those yeah. kinds of things. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you caught that, but he said he just threw out one-on-ones, and the first mm-hmm. thing he said was asking how they're doing and mm-hmm. then asking them. You know, it's so easy, it, whether it's a one-on-one or mm-hmm. anything else, just to think about work right. or to say, how are you doing and not really. How many times do we, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, how many times we go in any establishment yeah. to get food or it's like hey, hey how, how are you doing and mm. you know you've been with me enough to know a lot of times i say terrible <laughs> yeah. just to see if they're even paying attention a lot of times people don't even catch it right they're right. not even paying attention because it's just a rhetorical question yeah, and yeah. so it's we're not we're talking about actually caring it mm. goes back it's that hard it's like how are you doing like i care how yeah. you doing yeah if you got up fighting with your significant other, right? I I can relate to that. I care. Like right. I know that stinks, and yes. that pretty much ruins your whole day. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So great questions. One one more question, Greg, on the on the leader. Sort of we're kind of framing this as the leader's mirror, self examination as you look at your heart, and you know you're evaluating to what degree you're you're coming out of service. Is there is a very real reality, Greg, that as I do these exercises, I might go, man, I. I really don't jive with with servant leadership. I I really don't know that I want to sacrifice my life and use all of the things that I have to really benefit others. I'm really more interested in doing it a different way. And so there is a question about if you do that process that you might land at, this may not be the workplace for you. This may not be the right agency for you. And and is that okay, Greg? Is that okay for a current leader or an aspiring leader to, to do these exercises, to hear what we're saying and go... Man, I, I don't know that that's really who I want to be. Yeah, that that's beyond a softball, Chris. That, yeah, you know, that, <laughs> that's a curveball with yeah, a twist. Yeah, so of course yeah. it's okay. And and again, you know, you're thinking of that person's best interest, mm-hmm. even if they need to go somewhere. It's the same scenario of letting them go. If they mm-hmm. come to that, they're that realization, mm-hmm. even better, mm-hmm. of saying like, "Hey, this is not the best place for me to prosper. Mm-hmm. This is not." Um, and it's and. You know, we have to respect that. Mm-hmm. This is not for everyone. Right. 
this is you know and that's okay mm-hmm. and and it serve them in that way respect that help them leave help try to work with them so they can find some place that they can go to prosper yeah uh and and we're going to part friends like mm-hmm. there's no shame in mm-hmm. that you know yeah yeah, and again, just just to not make that too big of a deal, we we do want to leave that door open because that that has happened and that will happen again in the future. But I, mean, I would just venture to guess ninety nine out of a hundred of the 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 um, leaders we have currently or will have, like you do have that desire, as Greenleaf said, you 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 start with that desire to want to serve. But we do just want to crack that door of, of that may not be the case for everybody, and that is okay. And that's that's the beauty of doing the process of evaluation is to say where. Where am I? Yeah, I think the more real application, Chris, mm-hmm. is that uh, there are people that come in that are our type of people that do a great job, and make, because of their place in life, their development, for, for a multitude of reasons, it's time for them to move on. Mm-hmm. And we might even hate that, be like, man, that's right. a huge loss. But we need to celebrate that, yeah. and and help them move on mm-hmm. well too. I mean, that's just the way life works. Sure. And so. You know, I tend to want to not have that happen, mm-hmm. and I want everybody to stay forever and yeah. keep it. Uh, yeah, so they could even be doing well and then just, for whatever sure. reason, get to this point of like, hey, right. this, yeah, like this, we need to, you need to do something else. Yeah. You know, and they, and I, probably in that case, they're going to realize that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, Greg, we've talked about the primary motivation for leadership and at our agency to be most effective. Uh, it means to, to lead from a place of service, a desire to serve as a shepherd. Um, first, and then we've talked secondly about the, the leader's mirror, some self-examination questions and exercises you can do. And that leads us to our final um, topic, which is going to be, well, how do I get better at this? Each of these things within the Effective Leadership Guide are observable, measurable things that we can improve on today. And so the big question we want to leave with in this episode is, well, how do I grow my servant's heart? And so we've got a few um, just very practical takeaways that folks can do right now as soon as they you know, stop the episode. They can jump into doing one of these uh, things. And so the first one that I, that I love that is helpful for me, Greg, is number one, recognize how you yourself have been served. Notice the people in your life who have utilized their power and position and possessions to help you get further. Uh, and again, for me, one of those folks, you know, is, is Cindy for yeah. sure. You know, I, I think about the chance she took on me and how much she poured into me and she utilized her role and position to, to better my career and my, my, myself. And so that, that just gives me an immense sense of gratitude and it, and it really does inspire me to say, I want to go do that for other people. And so think about who has served you, how you've been served, uh, in the biggest or smallest ways and let that fuel you to be creative, to find ways to do that today. So that's, that's the first practical step yeah. we could take, Greg. What's another step yeah. folks can take, I mean, today, as soon as they get off this episode? Yeah, I, I think just check their heart, mm-hmm. you know, just mm-hmm. check, like, where am I at? Do I want to be a servant leader? Uh, you know, where, where am I at in that process? Uh, do I really want to improve? Do I really want to uh, expend effort? Mm-hmm. Uh, looking for an example or yeah. being an example, yeah. like you yeah. just said, mm-hmm. uh, is that is that something that interests me? Mm-hmm. Uh, truly, truly, I yeah. think you know you just stop people at Walmart. You know, ninety nine percent of them was like, yeah, I want to be a servant. You know, but mm-hmm. I mean, truly, because it takes effort and dedication, and not only that, it takes humility and um, you know, putting your money where your mouth is. Mm-hmm. Is, is like maybe, yeah, in in a very real way, putting others before yourself. Mm-hmm. We may not all want to do that, right. you know, or yeah. maybe we we want to, but we realize, yeah, I want to, but 
yeah, I've got a long way to go. Like yeah. I, I, I need to be purposeful about mm-hmm. that. So I think, I think that's the just that gut check, yeah. so to speak. I is, love that. You know. Yeah. So number one, recognize how you've been served. Number two, a gut check. You know, check your heart. Uh, number three, super practical, Greg. I can go do this today. Ask your team or the people you're serving how you could serve them better. It's pretty simple. Like go, go ask. Like you know, mm-hmm. hey, you know, as I'm leading, as I'm, I'm going about managing this team and trying to do the best I can, like. I'm just curious, what are some things that I could do that would be really helpful and serving to you? And so you can ask that question out loud and, and get response and feedback from the people that are in your charge, that, you know, the sheep that are in your flock. You can actually ask them and they can tell you practical things that you could do to be more serving to them. So that's, that's a very yeah. easy thing you can do today. All right, uh, number four, Greg. So, what, what's another thing that that we could do today? And this is where actually you're where you're really strong. You, you provide a great service to our agency in this respect. So, what could I do if I wanted to grow my heart today? Yeah, yeah. Chris is talking about find people that display this characteristic and uh, try to model yourself after them. But I would I would take that further and say try to spend time with mm-hmm, them mm-hmm. and around them uh, and try to. Uh, yeah, try to just spend time with people that you want to be like. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just a, a good thing in life mm-hmm. to do, you know. And so um, it, it rubs off when you spend time, just like mm-hmm. you're talking about our former CEO. We spent so much time with her. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, you know, that servant's heart rubs off. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I'm struck by a, a phrase years ago that I heard that said, um, you are the conglomeration of, of the five people you spend the most time with, that in five years, uh, the people you spent the most time with, the five of those folks will be the most influential on your life. And so really finding those people that are displaying the characteristics that you want to model. And then again, being overt, like, hey, can I get coffee with you today, Greg? Like, I'd like to talk yeah. about... I want to improve my servant heart or, hey, you know, so-and-so, would you mind just maybe once a month mentoring me, you know, and just asking Mm -hmm. those questions, watching what they do, learning from them, and then being taking the chance on actually engaging in that conversation for sure. What does that bring up for you, Greg? Yeah, I think about how few people do that. Yeah. And how easy that is. Yeah, it's yeah. a risk because they might say, ah, oh, yeah, I don't really have time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and you feel like they blew you off. Mm-hmm. But I mean, nothing venture, nothing gain. You know, it's like, so keep trying. Ask yeah. someone else, you yeah. know, what you want to be like. Yeah. yeah. So these, these are all practical things. I mean, you can literally do any of these things we just said, recognizing how you've been served, connect with, you know, check your heart, ask a teammate, how can I serve you better? Ask a leader who's doing it really well in your eyes to, to engage. And the last practical step, I think, that, that is helpful, Greg, that how do I grow my heart for service is read stories about people who have done this. I was I was captured by a story recently where uh, there was a movie that came out years ago called Hacksaw Ridge uh, about uh, a military person who actually, because of his religious beliefs, beliefs uh, objected to carrying weapons it was, did not believe in violence but was a patriot and wanted to join world war ii uh, so he did this his name was desmond dawes and he joined uh, the military served in world war ii was in okinawa at one of the fiercest battles in world war ii but did not care would not carry a gun uh, and so he was a medic and during this battle in particular he used his strength his power his position to literally save 75 of his soldiers his fellow soldiers lives during 
during this battle. And his, his, his soldiers actually had given him a lot of heck about being a, a conscientious objector of not, not carrying a gun. They didn't think he could do anything for them. And they actually saw him as a burden to the cause. But yet when it came time, he showed up and served in such a way that he actually was awarded, I believe it's the Medal of Honor by the president. And when he got back home for his service to his country and to his fellow um, his fellow soldiers. And so when I read that, I was like, man, like what an inspirational story. And so there's all kinds of stories like that that you can tap into. You can share those with other people. And they just kind of, to me, at least it raises the bar of like, man, if he can do that, I can do something today small in my in my role uh, that I play here at the agency to really make the lives of other people better. And, and our folks are doing that every day, Greg. We could even call stories to mind from you know our therapists and our advocates and our forensic yeah. interviewers and our Brokers of Hope program that really go out and serve the community. And so we're just charging our leadership team that if you want to be effective, uh, look at your servant's heart and find ways to improve and grow that heart today so that it will serve the highest good of those that are in your charge. So as we wrap up, Greg, what final thoughts from you? Yeah, Chris, I think probably out of all the things we're going to talk about in here, this is the thing that um, transcends work more than Mm. anything else. Like we are talking about this in a work context, but this plays out in life in every aspect of your life, Mm. you know. And so I ran across a quote from Mother Teresa that said, there is a joy in transcending self to others. Mm. And so, you know, it made me think about how, uh, you know, a small child is self-centered. You, you know, they mm-hmm. it just comes naturally. You're you want what you want, and you see uh, as people mature, they're less that way. And you know, mm-hmm. unfortunately, there's some adults that are still right. stuck stuck in that that mode. You know, but it is a sign of maturity to be able to think of others rather than just yourself. Mm-hmm. And so, to me, I you know I in my own life like that's where I want to be and I see that uh, you know and I want and for, so most of the people listening to this probably are going to be younger than me mm-hmm. like don't this is something I figured out late in life that mm-hmm. it is actually a deep joy to serve others mm-hmm. and you know don't don't wait till you're my age like mm-hmm. it is a higher calling yeah. it is a, a more mature a centered uh, better place to to work from in your life to live out of uh, and so I would say em- embrace uh, the servant's heart, mm-hmm. servant leadership, ha- whatever word you want to put mm-hmm. on, and to um, and to th- think of others in in all aspects of your life, and life will be better for y- for you. That's the, I- the ironic mm. thing is that when you you do that, life is actually better for you. Mm. That's beautiful, Greg, and, and just and it leaves behind a legacy. It sounds like you know, with mm. with people that we have called to mind who have done this, who are uh, servants and who've who've um, served us well. It definitely leaves a legacy behind. Mm. So, Greg, thanks so much for joining me today. Really enjoyed this conversation about the servant's heart, and in future episodes, we'll dive even deeper into other aspects of personal development that lead to effective leadership. So, be on the lookout for those episodes dropping very soon. Have a good day. Thanks for listening to Leading from the Heart. If you have feedback for Chris or Greg, or if there's a topic you would like them to discuss in a future episode, be sure to send them an email or comment on Workplace.